listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Jameis Winston was not a starter last year. The entire league spoke and said, no one wants you. 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions are not good for us. We don't want you to start. And he was a backup because of that. He didn't want to be a backup. He didn't want to sign a contract for like the modest relative amount he did, but he did. And they didn't even sign him to a two-year deal. Remember, he had to re-sign this year with the Saints. So it was like you're one step from the Canadian Football League when you're signing one-year NFL contracts as a quarterback. Now, could it be, and we all know that the Saints have really liked Taysom Hill as a possibility. If you look at his contract size, it's like, man, that seems inordinately big. That's big, isn't it, for Taysom Hill? But Sean Payton really has had a thing for converting Taysom Hill. The fact he hasn't been able to, to the point where he's the starter. The fact Winston's still the starter tells me that that Sean Payton has a plan, and part of that plan is to retrain him when it comes to his his willingness, his inclination to throw aggressively downfield. Because what's always been the complaint about Jameis Winston? He can make the big plays, but he makes the big mistakes. Right? Right. So the question becomes... Do we maybe trust that Sean Payton has a plan to bring along a retrained Jameis Winston, as opposed to, um, as opposed to <laughs> rushing him in there? I think that what they've done is wise with him, but it's also limited. But then why would you be looking for another quarterback? Why wouldn't you be saying, who knows where this goes? Because the best of this version of Jameis Winston just but, doesn't seem... But isn't the whole premise of bringing someone along incrementally is that this version is the version you're seeing now, just like Mac Jones, and in three weeks there's going to be another, a little bit further along version? The difference is this guy's 27 years old. And he, needed, I mean, and he was ready to leave the league. Right, so if you have the physical skill, I mean, does anyone question Jameis Winston's no. physical skills? No. So it's got to be mental, right? What else is there? It's got to be. I don't mean mental as in the insane, you know, the Ludi Ben. I mean mental as in his processing speed, his right. decision making, his whatever, his yes. whatever it is. It's it's something that is not a physical limitation. Agreed. Thus, isn't that a isn't that all you can hope for in a quarterback you draft or any? quarterback that has the physical skills is if they have those, now can you teach them the mental side of the game? Could it be that he's being retrained and otherwise, why would Sean Payton be okay with them? I agree with what you're saying, and I guess with with Mac Jones, it feels like the Patriots were unlikely to be Super Bowl contenders this year, so you knew that this was going to be a developmental year for a rookie quarterback. Well, what were the odds coming into the season on the Patriots and the Saints? I think the Patriots had slightly better Super Bowl odds. Mackenzie, take a gander at that. But it feels like the Saints are so close, especially in a, a very winnable division. I, well, I guess Tampa is still the team to beat, but in, in a division where there's two bad teams, there's some games to be won. It feels like they need to have more but of. When a, you have bad teams, don't you want the low variance guy? I mean, in a way, you could say Winston's like a Teddy Bridgewater now, right? Low risk, low upside. You know, low upside, low downside. You could say that, but then you'd look at the rest of the AFC West and you see that the, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Chiefs all are probably better teams. But no, no, I agree. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying pro Teddy Bridgewater right now. What I'm saying is if you're the Saints with a better team around the quarterback than most, maybe a Teddy Bridgewater low variance, low risk type of quarterback gets you where you need to get this year, at least 
earlier in the year. I think it potentially gets you to the playoffs. I think if the Saints have a bigger Obviously, picture... Obviously, they're more than potentially in the playoffs. I think if you start to talk about them beyond you know, actually doing something in the playoffs, it's just hard for me to imagine. Assuming Winston doesn't evolve. Yes. and But it feels like he's being brought along in a way that's an evolutionary effort. Winston, 25 pass attempts per game this year. 25. The last season he started, two years ago, in Tampa Bay, pre-Tom Brady... He had 39 per game. 39 minus 25, it's 14 less throws a game. Exactly? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm rounding. Okay. So, if you think about it, isn't that exactly my point? We don't need to run. We've got a 4-2. Is it 4-2? 4-2. 4-2. That's, I mean, I'm just going to do this in my head. That's 66%. It's true. That does that usually does pretty well in the playoffs, right? I mean, get you there. I think what we're gonna see, my prediction, is those pass attempt numbers go up one increment at a time, and he's thrown thirty-two passes or so come playoff time, and maybe he's unleashed at that point. Understanding, hey, he might blow up and we might lose by thirty, because at least with him, there there is another gear. So you're saying during the regular season. The Saints are doing the smart thing, playing a low-variance game. When the playoffs come and they realize they're going to be underdogs, they they take more big risks and hope that good Jameis shows up instead of bad Jameis. Exactly. Are you familiar with this? I live my life a quarter mile at a time. I, I've only from the podcast. It's, I've, you, I'm not. You've never watched Fast and the Furious. I haven't never watched a single one of those movies. Oh my gosh! You're trying to be like a bro, and you haven't seen Fast. <laughs> I'm not trying to be a bro. Well, you're just naturally a bro. <laughs> you're trying to be like a, an intellectual, and, and I'm trying to be an intellectual. Well, you naturally are an intellectual, <laughs> but you're, you watch the Fast and Furious movies because I try to stay in touch with the soul. I mean, I don't know if with you the know bros. This. Here's what I here's what I know. I grew up in a place a lot. Uh, more deprived than you. I grew up in a town with 4,000 people. My dad's a coal miner was, and there's no stoplights in town. Ohio, coal mine. You grew up in, where was it? Houston? Yeah. Big city Houston. But somehow you're the bro, but me watching Fast and the Furious is strange, except like my second best buddy's brother's dad's a race car driver, like a little stock car guy in the, you know, banging around. Did you watch Fast and Furious saying, oh, I know AJ's moving out here. This is going to be my way to connect to him. I'll watch this dummy movie and this, I'll be able to talk to him. This is what happens to guys like you. He's a janitor at a high school. <laughs> has to take the bus to work every day. That's I my mean, next move. <laughs> anyway. They had a nitrous or some kind of tank in the car. And you know what? When they were heading down to the McDonald's, they didn't use it. You <laughs> that know makes when, sense. You know when they used it? When they were racing. When they needed it. It doesn't seem like the Saints have needed it yet. No. So why bring out the risk of bad? You keep them almost like Hannibal Lecter style, all tied up. You know, just one arm maybe to throw about 25 passes a game. And then... When they're the underdog in the playoffs, they take off the straitjacket. I, I tell you what's odd about this team is you mentioned the two wins, and they do have two of the best wins that anybody has on their resume. They also have two of the worst losses at this point when you think about Carolina and the Giants. Well, listen, here's the thing. The Carolina, and, and you yourself did this, yep. and I'm R.J. Bell. He's A.J. Hoffman. 
you excused away that Carolina game by saying, oh, there were 29 coaches that had COVID. Every coach. Every coach Every had Every offensive COVID. coach. And if they did it, their loved ones did. So they were distracted. <laughs> and the ones that recovered weren't 100% physically. You had a bunch of excuses, right? I did. And let's be candid. In that Giants game, late, late in the game, the Saints had a massive chance to win the game. It was a fluky end of the game. So under that theory, they could have easily won the Giants game. And we, there's an ex- they might be the only team with Arizona that has not clearly lost the game that they didn't have a clear reason to, meaning the fluky loss is a fluky loss. But I would say Dallas is in that group, too. Well, let me think. They have the one loss against the Chargers. Okay, oh, Against the Bucks, That's their only loss. Oh, I'm sorry. They beat the Chargers in that, yeah. that coin flip game. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So what we're saying here, by two different definitions... Right? If you think about it, who has the most excusable losses? Let's say two or more. And Dallas is right there, and Saints, and a couple other teams. That's fine. And who has the most impressive wins? Saints are right there. So at their low point, isn't so low if you take away the COVID game. And their high points are mighty high. And you're saying maybe a blockbuster trade to disrupt everything. <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. I just I trust Sean Payton. And you know what? Worst case, at the end of the year, if they do take the training wheels off Winston, they, they're going to know what they have. And wouldn't you say, other than Deshaun Watson, who obviously is a top five quarterback outside of the off the field issues? Yes. Okay. Last year was his best year. People don't realize that because they only won four games, but it really was Deshaun's best year. It was an amazing year considering his limited help around him. Yeah. For him as a quarterback. Trading for him is trading for better than Stafford. It is a blockbuster, and you're giving up a lot for it. And it's rare a quarterback like that even moves. Right? You think about it, it's rare. Okay? So if they can get him, maybe. But other than that, if you had the top pick in the draft next year, which isn't supposed to be a great quarterback right. draft, so you can pick, decide who you might take, does that quarterback have a better chance of turning into something really good than Winston? I would make the case Winston has at least that chance. I'd say I'd agree with you. So, in a way, if you don't get Deshaun Watson, I don't think any trade makes any sense to like get the number one pick next year or something. Unless somehow Sean Payton loved the quarterback. But in general, about half of the top 10 quarterback picks make it and half don't. I think Winston has at least a 50% chance to become like the 12th best quarterback in the league. I think that's fair. Right out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. All right, RJ, let's take a look at that swing in the line. Three and a half from the world opener, now pushing six and a half. Green Bay at Arizona, obviously COVID playing a, a big role in the, the line movement. Yeah, and I think that... Colin made a point today on the show that I think is generally directionally right, but is not exactly right. And his point was, hey, you got Devontae Adams, and he is so vital to that team that if you think about the drop-off, you know, how important is the number one target for any given team? Maybe Green Bay actually is at the top of that list, and thus when Adams is out, it's a major consequence. And I don't think Lazard was out come the time of their show or whatever, but the driver of this line in general is cluster injuries. Yeah, 
having Adams out, one of the most valuable, if not most important receiver, he might be the most important receiver in football, whereas his absence is the biggest impact. But it's not going to move a line from three and a half or so. And again, let's remember with that three and a half opener, Arizona hosting Green Bay. The typical home field these days in the modern NFL is two and a half, not three. If you hear someone talking about three, they are behind. It's two and a half. And that's an evolution. Last year, obviously, it was less because of the no crowds. Here, it's less because if you look at the 19th season, home field didn't mean very much. This year, it hasn't meant very much. Everyone's reevaluating what it means in the modern era. Why are teams playing better on the road? The travel's easier. There's a bunch of reasons. But they are, statistically. So, let's say two and a half would have been the line if the Packers and the Cardinals were exactly the same quality team. Okay. The fact this line opened at three and a half says, wow, Arizona's better than the Packers. Do you agree with that? You've been a Arizona denier, you could say. You, I don't know if for something personal, but you've been against Arizona. Who's better, Green Bay or Arizona, with normal health both ways, not accounting for this week's issues? I'd say Green Bay slightly better. All right, so you're going way, and you and the market are in disagreement. You're yes. fighting authority in a way. Okay, but you, you know what? The only time you're ever going to get a bet ever is when you disagree with the market. So you got to be judicious, but that is what a bet is. You're saying, oh, I disagree. You think it's that? I think it's something else. Now, let's not forget Thursday night football is a big advantage for the home team. Why? Because there's only three days to prep. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, if you played on Sunday, other than six days, if you have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, till the next one. That's double. It's half as much time to prep. So why does traveling matter? Because traveling's taking up, what, half a day? Yeah. So now, in a way, you're taking one of those three days and cutting it in half, and statistically, that's mattered over the long term. McKinsey said it particularly matters when there's long travel. What was your stat on that, McKinsey? Well, that that was a stat that I Oh, innovated. that he stole from you? No, he yeah, didn't steal it. We're on the same team. Oh, okay. Agent. You're a very me, me, me person. We're we here. Go ahead. Under 40% for teams traveling more than 1,100 miles on Thursday. All right. And what's their, uh, the distance from Green Bay to, I don't even know where Green Bay is, to Arizona? I think it's in uh, Wisconsin. It is absolutely in Wisconsin. You're right. Shirley was in Wisconsin. I remember that. Okay. Go ahead. Over 1,500 miles. All right. So the theory is the longer you got to go. Now, built into that is that chances are you're out of division, too. So, in a way, the mileage is a proxy for being out of division because out of division means you don't know the team quite as well. And thus, your prep is more meaningful, right? If you really know the team, you don't need to prep as much. So in division, it's less important the Thursday night disadvantage. And if you do, they ever play out of conference Thursdays? I think they do. Those are the best ones because in theory, you're only playing that team every four years. So big advantage. Big to the advantage home team. for the home team typically there because you need the time to prep. Now, if a coach is smart, they're going to be looking ahead and, and prepping for that game earlier. But everyone's not Belichick. <laughs> I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Um, any other thoughts on Green Bay? So what we're, our conclusion here is Arizona's considered a little bit better. AJ disagrees. This game's Thursday. The Thursday night element, especially with long distance out of division, is meaningful. Thus, it brings the lineup a little bit. And then you've got, oh my gosh, you don't only have Adams out, but Lazard's out. And the third guy's hamstring. 
uh, Valdez Scantling, his uh, hamstring. He's been on the IR, missed the last four games. Eligible return, but no word yet if he will. Yeah, so if he doesn't, it's really a matter of cluster injuries, which is a ma- it's saying it's not going from your first to second best receiver. You're saying the three best are out. Now the fourth one becomes the first one. The fifth one becomes the right. sixth one. That is trouble. So let's put that in context to what we were talking about yesterday, where we were talking about when it's too obvious. We did this with Cleveland. We did this with Tennessee. We see all these injuries and we say, oh boy, there's no way they can cover that with this group of injuries going on. But that's the thing. The line's going way up. Right, so we're almost at a touchdown now. Is that too much? Now it's about the adjustment. It, like if Tom Brady were out and the line didn't move, you'd say what's going on. But if the line moves for Brady, probably seven points, eight points. Now it's not about fading it or not. It's about is the adjustment sufficient? I think the adjustment here is probably more than sufficient. Because you've got a Thursday night game, which means it's a standalone. So everyone's paying attention to it. We usually aren't talking about this game on a Tuesday, but this is supposedly one of the biggest Thursday night games ever, matchup wise. If you look at the records, it's probably unmatched. So that's given a lot of attention. It's standalone by itself. That gives it more attention. It's Aaron Rodgers, more attention. And it's the only undefeated team, yeah. more attention. Now, wh- how's the pu- now, what receiver have you heard more about in the last year that he is the only guy they've got? It's probably Adams, right? It is. So him being out, if it was everyone but Adams, I think it would probably not be enough move. The reason I thought that Cleveland wasn't enough move, and I was wrong, was because it wasn't a lot of big names. So Chubb had been out for a few weeks. It didn't feel like it was resonating. And people are anti-Baker, so I thought, eh. And I thought, when you add it all up, it was just too many people out. Here, I think the move is sufficient. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes to like the seven and a half. Because come game day... The public's going to wake up. Most of the public that's not listening to the show don't even know this game, the line yet. I mean, not that other shows aren't talking about some, but if you're not listening to any gambling shows, you're probably not even thinking about that line. Come game day, you wake up, look at Thursday, look at the paper. Oh, man, six and a half. That's cheap. And then it gets bad. I'm predicting if everyone's out like we think, the line will move up at least a half point from Thursday morning till kickoff, it will move up more. So one of my screens right here says, out of conference Thursday night games, Carolina and Houston. Okay, that makes sense. Cincinnati and Jacksonville. Hmm. I think they're in the same conference, aren't they? I think they are the still both one, in the AFC. And the next one says Denver and Cleveland. Ooh, I think they're both in the AFC. And then the, the screen just went blank. <laughs> <laughs> Who runs that screen? Is it you the know, Wizard of Oz? I don't know. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, we've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday, so do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so game one, minus 140. No, game one, minus 130. The series, minus 140. Astros hosting. I misspoke. Oh, wow. Apologies. I know it was close. So, So, minus 130 in the game. Minus 140 for the series. Correct. Now, what does minus 140 mean for those who are uninitiated? That means, hey, we don't have a point spread. Because typically, 
the way you even things out in football and basketball would say, oh, Saints are favored by five and a half. And then, oh, look, Saints won by less than that, so they don't win the spread bet. But you could have bet the Saints on the money line, and you would have won. So how do they equal out games without a spread? And how do you have a spread in baseball when there's not many runs scored? Well, you say you got to bet more to win less. Like when Tyson lost to Buster Douglas, and it was 42 to win a dollar. It's like, well, actually, it was more than that. And then Buster Douglas paid 42 to one. So if you bet a dollar on Buster Douglas, shout out to Jimmy Vicario, Vicaro, sorry, uh, longtime Vegas bookmaker, was the only guy on earth that had a number up on that Tyson fight at the Mirage at the time. He's been good to me in town. Uh, 42 to one payout. So it's nothing like that here. You bet 140 to win 100, or you bet 100 to win 120 on the underdog. And the difference between 140 120 is called the straddle. That's how the bookies, who we know what we think of the bookies here. Cockroaches. Cockroaches. Not Jimmy Vaccaro. No, actually, no. The rest. (laughs) But almost every other one. Almost, but not everyone. It just matters who I'm with at that given time. But in general, they have cockroach tendencies. Let's agree to that. Agreed. I think even the good ones would admit that. Why? Because they want to take your money. And it's fine. They got to get paid for what they're doing. But the straddle is 20 cents in that case. So you're betting more on Houston. Now, you got a prop coming up, you're going to bet. But let me ask you, AJ, you, some would say pluck from obscurity. I don't think that's true because you were the ratings leader in Houston. You know, if you look like, like the last five years, when it came to sports talk shows in the whole city, drive time for you in the afternoon, you and Fred Fowler, partners. But you you were down in Houston, what, over 10 years, right? Over 10, 11 years. What, let's, and I'm going to be very specific with my questions. What did the city think when Houston won before all of the controversy? Obviously, it's some variation. How behind that team the Astros were that? When the Astros are winning, they are the favorite team in, in Houston. They more are, than the Rockets? More, more than the Texans, even. The, uh, even when the Texans making many playoffs under Coach O'Brien. Yeah. Okay. Now, as the controversy happened, what, how did the city react? The it was a sort of a split. I'd say twenty percent sort of were disappointed in the Astros, like saying, "Why? How'd you do that? Right? Say it ain't so, Joe, kind of thing." But I think as more vitriol came from outside of Houston, it sort of created a a, a pack mentality for Astros fans to give kind of a middle finger to Dodgers fans and Yankees fans and everyone coming at them. So the Dodgers and Yankees fans said, "Hey, we want the World Series, America's pastime, to be untainted by your cheating," and they said, "You know, in response to that." We're going to fight you. That's right. Hmm. That's interesting. Not not making a ton of sense, necessarily. I mean, listen, if it's your team, you you, you want to back your team no matter do, what. Right? Yeah. And, I mean, fans are, by by definition... Where unre- was your head at? Uh, I don't... I, I believe that most teams cheat. I think the Astros were just really bad and naive cheaters. And, but and maybe they, they were caught. really good. So you think other teams are doing something to that level? I think they were at the time. I think that when the Astros got asked... You don't think it tarnishes it at all? uh, uh, No, not really. Ladies and gentlemen, please hold all tickets. The stewards have posted the inquiry sign. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. Okay, now, if they win it this year, would it be redemption? Absolutely. And they they came close in 2019, came up just short to the Nationals. Everybody said, if they win it here, this shuts everybody up. Now, I mean, we're down to four guys on this team that were even there in 2017. So, But if they do win it, then I think it does sort of let everybody know. All right, so you got special insight to the 
Astros, you're going to have a bet. first a little business and then your prop. Yep, they come to the Breeders' Cup from every corner of the globe. The best thoroughbreds from around the world with one goal in mind, the title of world champion. Visit breederscup.com slash 2021 for more information and catch all the action live on November 5th and 6th. Now, is this going to be a best bet or a pizza bet? This is a pizza bet. For come me. on, baby, $80,000. <laughs> that's, that's your pizza bet, $80,000. 80, I'm going to go over four and a half strikeouts for Framber Valdez tonight. Braves 24th in the league against left-handed pitching. Framber Valdez, a strikeout guy. The Astros want to save their bullpen for later in the in the uh, the series, so I expect a long outing from Framber tonight. Framber Valdez over four and a half strikeouts plus one ten is the money right now. All right, so a little plus money payout over. Any thoughts in the series? If you had to play the series, I'd, I'd play the Astros. The bu- the Braves bullpen, their best guys are left-handed. That's not good against the Astros. So Astros hit lefties well. Crush lefties. Both of these teams at their low point. So Astros starting the season thirty to one. Hundred wins you three thousand to win the World Series, and the Angel or check that the Braves August first. Were fifty five to one. That was injury driven, right? Yeah, Ronald Acuna gets hurt in the middle of the season. They say, "Oh, they're done." Fifty five to one. One hundred wins you fifty five hundred. So remember, it's not just who you bet; it's when you bet. Oftentimes, you know, I often have wondered how much more betting would there be on baseball if it wasn't for the money line. You'd be shocked at the number of people don't that just don't get it. Minus two hundred plus one seventy, minus one forty plus one twenty. And, and But if somehow baseball had another way, I think it would increase their handle by 50%, 60%. But money line's what we got, and it is the World Series. 